Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a human's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who himself is God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, this morning, as we begin to dig into our new study on the Gospel of John, uh, in studying the prologue, D.A. Carson, in his commentary, as I read it this past, uh, this past month, talks about how in the prologue, which is really the first 18 verses of the first chapter, you really have a, an outline or, or a way of understanding John's entire Gospel. And so in light of that, this morning, I'll only be dealing with the first five verses of the chapter, just five verses. And some of you are saying, oh, goody, it will be a short sermon. And, and I would pray it would be so until you realize we're going to be talking about God. What do I mean by that? Well, as you and I think about who God is and understanding who the Lord is of creation of heaven and earth, one of the things that becomes very problematic is how do you put an ocean in a thimble? How do you gather the stars into a bag? And so when anyone talks about God, no matter where they are or, where, or what they believe, whenever they talk about God, they're talking about a, a person or a concept that is much greater or bigger than anything we can imagine. And so when you look at Revelation, when you look at the Bible, we call it special revelation. Uh, there are people who have thought about who God is throughout all ages and all times and all cultures 
And so that kind of knowledge of God is what's called a general knowledge, meaning that humanity looks at creation. We, we as men and women look around us and say, well, what is this God like? And we try to figure out who God is from ourselves, from our own very experiences and, and life experiences. We determine what is God like. And we, we know from creation that he must be a God of order. There were four seasons in the year, and so he is a God who has ordered all that, the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and all of that is wonderful as far as the ability to begin to understand the, the magnitude of the glory of God, but they can, it can never be a knowledge that leads us to understand our salvation or how we can be forgiven of our sins or how we can even know the living God. And so... When you think of uh, the, the task before us, it's kind of reminding me of four blind men who had never seen an elephant, and they were led into the circus to view, blindly, their first elephant. And one came to the trunk, and the trunk wrapped around his waist, and, he, and, the, man, and the blind man said, oh my goodness, the, the elephant is like a snake that coils around you. And the second one came and touched the, the, the leg of the elephant and felt it and said, no, 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 the, the elephant's like a trunk of a tree, almost impossible to move. The other uh, got around to the back end of the, the, the elephant and the tail hit him in the face. And he said, oh, you guys are blind as bats. The elephant is like a whip that keeps whipping at you. And the, the, the fourth one, the fourth one ran straight into the side of it and he said, all three of you have totally missed it. The elephant is like a wall that is impregnable and you can't get through. What is God like? You see, that's the problem. And it's for that reason that we turn in the Gospel of John and we begin to study the, the revelation of John in understanding who Jesus Christ is. Because more importantly, when you think of the person of Jesus you begin to have a greater quandary, and that is we're not just talking about God, we're talking about God becoming flesh. We're talking about the idea of the ocean being contained in a thimble. And so in light of that, then how do we begin? Well, John says in the beginning, God. Now, if you read those words and heard them this morning, you would immediately think about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 wouldn't you? And so as you think of this, this word that John is talking about, this personification of God as the word, one of the things that really is quite amazing is it's speaking about something that is before the birth of Jesus in a manger. And that's where John begins. He begins to talk about Jesus, not in the birth narratives like in Matthew or Luke where Jesus is born in a stable. He talks about who Jesus was before he became flesh. It's very important because he's speaking about someone who has a distinction before his birth, not after. Why, why do we need to look at that? Well, notice how John begins saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. What does he mean by that? Well, Jesus Christ and the eternal God are so important in the scheme of John's gospel that he does not want you to look at the two totally separate. They are actually dependent upon one another. What do I mean by that? Well, there are three things important for John to, for you to understand about who Jesus is. The first is that Jesus Christ shares God's eternity. What do I mean? It means that God has no beginning. 
When we think of the the chapter in Genesis 1 where it says, in the beginning God created, before anything was created out of nothing, the Bible says, God existed. And one of the things that John is pointing out to us is that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who we know to be the Savior of the world, before he was born, was with God in all eternity before anything was created. Now that's almost impossible for me to imagine or think about. Because when you and I walk through this culture and our world and look at the trees and all that's been created, before any of this was created, Jesus was with the Father. He was the Word. And you say, well, what does it mean to say He is the Word? He is literally God's expression of mind and spirit. God's expression And so in the Old Testament, as you go back, you begin to unravel this concept in the scriptures that God speaks and something happens. God says and something comes about. And so what John is going back to is in the Old Testament, wherever you see that the word of God is spoken, he wants you to think that Jesus was with the Father in all eternity. It's really quite arresting. To think this deeply about a person who is human. But that's the point. John wants you to see that Jesus is more than just a man. He is God in the flesh. The second thing he talks about is that Jesus Christ was eternally with God. What does he mean that? It means that simply that the word, meaning Jesus, was no mere emanation of God. Like some appendage that God stuck out from himself. That Jesus was fully God. Just as much as the Father is fully God. And so when we begin to think in this way, it becomes a struggle for us. Why? Because we're human. We're finite. We're limited. And so when we think, well, I'm over here at Center Church. I'm not at home at my house at 318 Lakeshore Drive. I am literally physically in one place and can't be in another. That's not the truth with God. God is a spirit. God is everywhere. And so when you and I begin to think of this God who created the heavens and the earth, he is a God who has no limitations whatsoever as far as physical space. Jesus was eternally with God from the beginning. He is not just an emanation of God. He is God just as much as the Father. And then thirdly, John goes on to talk about Jesus Christ is one. Excuse me, Jesus Christ is one with God. Well, what does that mean? So many times in John's gospel, Jesus is quoted by John as saying, the Father and I are one. And many have taken that to be, well, they're in agreement as in unity. No, no, no. That's so inappropriately translated in that way. It is literally oneness in substance. That Jesus and God the Father are one in substance, in essence. In person. The implications of this are really quite amazing. Because as we deal with only the first five verses of chapter one, we are dealing with the person of Jesus Christ. Next week when we go through verses six through 18, we'll deal with the work of Jesus Christ in redemption. Why he came. But John wants you to understand more than anything else, this Jesus who he beheld and walked with and touched and ate supper and slept with 
was more than a man. He was God in the flesh. And so that means that there was a finality of Christ, meaning Jesus' place in being with the Father was changeless. This is why in the book of Hebrews you hear the words, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He never changes because God never changes. When you think of Jesus, the mystery of this truth that God has become flesh, Jesus shares in the infinity and the limitlessness of God, meaning that, that because he took on flesh, it didn't mean that he is now limited to that flesh for all time. He's been resurrected and glorified in such measure that he now shares that infinity with God once again and never lost it from the beginning. The other more important thing that John wants you to see is the centrality that you need Jesus in order to even have a relationship with God. That Jesus must always be the center of our approach to the worship of God because any other way leads to complete ignorance of who God is. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, You've heard of those who are agnostic, right? They are people who say basically, well, I don't know if there is a God. A meaning the negative, gnostic meaning knowledge in the Greek. They don't know if there is a God. Then you have atheists. Who are they? They are people basically who look at this issue of who God is and say, there is no God. Everything happened by chance. The world was formed in some primordial glue, goo that, that, that evolved into what we see today. I dare say with one of the smartest scientists in the world believed at one time that anything was eternal, it was matter. That the atoms and molecules of the universe are eternal. But the Bible says no. No, God is eternal. He's the one who created them. In fact, he spoke and created from nothing the material world. I know this is getting a little cerebral, but here's the importance of this. If you're an agnostic, if you're an atheist, if you have any concept of God, there is no possible way you could know the one true God apart from Jesus Christ. So all the other religions of the world are man's attempt to know God. John says that the coming of Jesus and Christianity is God revealing himself completely and fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And so in light of that, then the power of this statement becomes overwhelming for us because as John unfolds this, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, he goes on to say, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. The second part of the sermon this morning is that if God was in Jesus coming into the world and was with the Father before all creation, then how did the creation come into being? 
And this is where John begins to reveal for us who Jesus really is. He says that Jesus is the one who created the universe. Notice in verse 3, read it very carefully. Now through him, through who? Through Jesus. All things were made. And then he goes on to emphasize it by saying, without him nothing was made that has been made. And so that's a, that's a pretty clear statement that that what Jesus is about is the origin of the creation. In other words, God spoke and it was created. And John wants us to go back to Genesis and say, when God spoke, it was Jesus with the Father. And in that moment, the, through Jesus Christ, all was created because he was the spoken word of God. More importantly, your life is not an accident. You were created by Jesus because he's the author of life and then finally this morning as we unravel this tremendous truth we come to that last part and that is that Jesus is the illumination of God well, what does he mean by that look at verse 4 he says that in him in Jesus was life and that life was the light of all men and women. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. What does he mean? Well, first of all, he wants us to know that first, your life, my life, the life of this planet comes from Jesus. He's the Lord and giver of life. He's the one who's overcome death that we might have abundant life. And so in that role as the life giver, he wants us to see that this Jesus is the one who illuminates for everyone the truth of why we even exist, why we're even here, why you even have life of breath. And when you look around today and you see what's happening in our world, most of the problems in the world are because people have no clue as to why they exist or why were they created? And John is writing to us saying that if you really want to understand why you're here, what purpose your life has, what meaning and where meaning for life comes from, you must look to Jesus Christ because he's the one who's created you. And even par more powerfully, this Jesus is not only the one who's created you, this truth about him shines in darkness. What does he mean by that? It shines in a world that has rejected the idea there isn't even a God. It shines in a world that has somehow gone awry, has missed the mark, has somehow made God lesser than he is or confused the one true God for some idol that they've replaced God with. And in that replacement of who God really is, they begin to worship everything else but God. And in doing so, they bring great darkness in their life. I was watching the news the other night and I was thinking about what was happening in our culture today. The numbers of shootings that are happening and the way in which people are choosing to do drugs and, and all the things that are wrong with our society. All of these things find their root in the fact that there is a lack of knowledge of God in those individual lives. They are lost in their sins, the Bible says. 
They are separated from the living God. They cannot know why they exist or what purpose they have for life or how to live their life because they don't know the living God. And this is why Jesus came into the world. Because as people behold him, the light of God, as they beheld him, living in darkness and see him for who he is, it suddenly begins dawning upon their minds and their hearts the very purpose that they have, and that is they were created by God to love and worship him. John goes on and says, because of that, the darkness has not overcome it. I love this part. Sometimes it gets very dark, doesn't it? Life can get very hard. And we see evil so penetrating, not just our culture, but even our own lives. Thoughts we have, affections we, 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 we gravitate to, things we know that displease God. There are so many dark things about our lives and about our culture and about our world. And yet the promise from John is that this darkness will never overcome the light of Jesus. That he's come to illuminate to every heart the truth and as they hear that truth and become to understand and know who God is through him, they will come into a new life. When you and I begin to think about unraveling this passage, it, it cannot be summed up in 20 minutes in a sermon, can it? We have just scratched the surface of understanding who Jesus is. We are just beginning in John's gospel to see what it is that God has chosen to do by sending a child into the world, being born of a virgin, so that through him all the nations of the world will one day bow and acknowledge him to be the Lord of heaven and earth. I can't wait to get through the rest of this. But as you and I begin to wrestle with this passage, as we dig deeper into understanding the nature of Christ, you cannot fully understand his nature without understanding his purpose of coming. And here it is. If you were to summarize the Gospel of John, he says Jesus' purpose was to reveal to us who do not know God, who the one true God is. And through that revelation, to offer a way of salvation for those who will repent and believe in him. Isn't that glorious? This is the message that John has. Remember that song we sing in the church? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That, that, that's an echo of John's gospel. We, we sang it this morning. Did you, did you hear it? And, and as we, I should say we didn't sing it. Actually, Mackenzie played it. Mackenzie played it, and she didn't even realize it. She was so, so concentrated on ringing those bells. And by the way, um, 
uh, I, it was Ambrose thinks that biggest bell is the, is the best one. He was asking me before the service, who's going to ring that bell? And you could tell he was interested in ringing himself. Well, as, as Mackenzie was playing it, she was playing a song that we all know. Did you know this song? Did you hear it? Did you recognize it? It's that, it's that adoration that comes in the worship of Jesus where we say, Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nations. O thou of God and man the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Why do we sing that? Because that's John's point. He wants you to understand that you cannot leave this text in understanding who Jesus is as the word of God, the expression of God revealed in the person of Christ without beginning to realize I must make a choice. Because if Jesus is who John says he is, then you have no choice but to bow your knee and to follow him and to worship him and to take seriously everything John records in his words about what Jesus has taught. Otherwise, you're still in darkness. But if you have come to know the life that he offers and the light he gives... John's story of Jesus is going to transform your life because it's going to transform your view of God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God and Father, as we, we take this time to worship you and to know the purpose of Christ's coming, there is so much more here to discover about our Lord and so our prayer is, as we begin to unwrap this gift of the Gospel of John, that you would permeate our hearts with this light of Jesus, so that in coming to know him and hearing his words, we may take seriously the God who became flesh and dwelt among us. For if Jesus is this God in the flesh, then there is no one, no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is no other religion that can offer this salvation. There is no other way to know the living God than through his son, Jesus. And for that reason, we ask humbly, Lord, come and teach us more. Fill us with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We ask and we pray it in Christ's name. And the people of God said together, Amen.